0: I'm your host, Aaron Groves, and this is where your positivity journey starts. Welcome to The Pop Podcast. Hey, 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 guys, and welcome back to The Pop Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Groves. I hope everyone had a fabulous weekend, and today I am extremely, extremely excited. I have yet another guest that I've been wanting to have on, and I am so grateful that she said yes, and she's ready to talk to each and every one of you today. So to welcome on, I'm going to let her kind of introduce herself, but a little bit of background. Obviously, I'm a yoga instructor. You guys have heard me talk about that before, and the reason why is because of her and her studio. They truly changed my life and changed my perspective on yoga. And so today I have one of the co-owners of Harbor Yoga Studio in Columbus, Ohio. Angie O'Brien, thank you for coming on.
1: Oh, Erin, thanks for having me. I'm just so excited to see your face because I don't get to see you anymore since you don't live near me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. And Harbor, I mean, if you guys are in Columbus, which I know a lot of my base is, you, if you haven't been in there, the studio is next level. And so kind of just like, Angie, introduce yourself. Introduce who All you right. are and kind of like the why behind Harbor. And we'll go from there. Okay. Okay. So my name is Angie O'Brien. Um,
1: I am the co-owner of Harbor Yoga Studio in Dublin, Ohio. And we've had this studio for about 10 years now. Um, It started out as kind of just a little passion project that we thought may be something fun that we could bring to our community. And because at the time, 10 years ago in Dublin, which is a suburb of Columbus, there weren't a lot of yoga studios outside of just doing a class, maybe inside of a gym. So um, my dear friend Heidi and I, um, one night how that came to be is actually kind of crazy and I'll get into that later maybe. But um, we decided that this was something that we thought Columbus or Dublin needed and that we could bring it to them. And so the idea behind Harbor Yoga is that we're kind of the yoga studio for the non-yogi, someone who might be a little intimidated to walk into a quiet room with mirrors and chanting and um, sort of meditation, which I think is an incredible type of yoga. But we wanted to create something for the person that felt way too intimidated to walk into that. And they just felt like, yeah, yoga is not for me. Uh, but we kind of have built our business on, we don't speak Sanskrit in the studio. Um, we don't have mirrors specifically because we don't believe that people are looking at themselves for alignment. We think that they're actually looking at themselves, judging themselves. You know, I'm tired. I'm ugly, I've gained weight, I'm pale, all of those things, or look how great she is. Um, The idea is to just focus on you and on your mat for an hour. Our studio is dark, so you can kind of get lost in it. And the music's really loud, so sometimes you might have a feeling that you just didn't even realize an hour went by because you just were caught up in breathing with the music and the darkness. And it's kind of, for some people, they say it's kind of like a club feel. I don't know. But, um, But when we first opened, there was absolutely nothing like this. Now, I think you can find it. I know that Aaron, the studio you go to um, does something similar to that, um, because um, us Midwesterners, we've kind of created a different vibe and a different interpretation of how yoga can be. And we've brought in a lot of people that truly need it, the type A's, the athletes, um, the people that um, feel like they need to go out and run 500 miles. This kind of yoga is for them. So that's kind of the basis of what Harbor Yoga is.
0: Yeah, and I would say just to touch on that, I think you're it, it couldn't be more perfect. And I think that's when I found it. I always thought yoga was you always hear like, oh, yoga's slow, or how many times as an instructor you hear, well, I'm not flexible. Every time I try to get someone to come, especially every time. Males every time. they're like, I'm not <laughs> flexible. <laughs> they are. And my response every time is I'm just like, you don't need to be flexible to start. You just have to start. But I think your yoga studio was the point in my life I was running all the time. I was just going through a transition phase. And, you know, I know you've mentioned for like being a gym rat. And that quite literally is just always who I've been, like in my nature. And I think when you come into a studio like your own, you're not intimidated because you're not speaking Sanskrit. It's you know, base postures that you're building off of, but you're also getting in mountain climbers, you're getting in jump, you, you guys have really incorporate right. the gym feel with the yoga, mental, spiritual kind of physical aspect of that, which until honestly, I just joined the studio that I have now, I have yet to find a studio like Harbor. And it's crazy because I always tell people, I'm like, if I can take them and plant them everywhere I move in my life, that is yeah, truly- that is-
1: we get that a lot. We also get people who won't move because they just don't want to have to find a new yoga studio, which is such a compliment, right? Like, it's it's huge. But, you know, all of those things that you're talking about that brought you to us, um, you know, in the beginning, um, a lot of traditional studios, unfortunately, we were kind of the black sheep of yoga, right? Because people were like, they're not doing yoga. I don't know what that is, which, you know, Heidi and I always found, found it to be actually hilarious to us because we felt like for all of the training and all the things that everybody does to go through yoga – Yoga is based on being kind, be kind to others, be kind to yourself. These people that were trashing us constantly, I'm like, what is wrong? like, you're the most anti-yoga. Why why do you care what we're doing, right? Like, what's the saying? Um, Nike doesn't care what Reebok's up to. If you believe in your product and what you're doing, ours is a niche. We're never going to do meditation. We're never going to be... Um, a Hatha studio. We're not going to do the Ashtanga, although we're based a little bit on Ashtanga yoga, but we're our own separate thing. And, you know, in the beginning we would get, I mean, we got a Yelp review one time, Erin, that was so nasty. I mean, rip, 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 rip all down, all the way down it. And we read it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. They, They, you know, they didn't, they had the music up loud. It was so hot. It was dark in there, da-da-da. I thought, oh my gosh, this is gonna ruin us. And then someone who comes normally um, when they come to visit out of town wrote one line underneath it that said under that help review that said, All the reasons you mentioned are the reasons that I go there. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's exactly right. You we may not be for everyone, and we're the first to say, we you know this place, this place, and this place would be great if that's what you're looking for. People don't do that for us. I mean, we know they don't. Like we it's come back to us a million times over and I just feel bad for those people because it, it they don't you don't have to have every single person that's doing yoga come to your place. It's better for all of yoga if more people are doing yoga, right? So that maybe certain times in your life you want what we have to offer and maybe another time in life you need something a little more less strenuous, right? And I just had someone yesterday who left class had never been there before and she goes Oh my gosh, Angie, is it normal? I cried at the end of class. I just loved it so much and I felt so happy. She found a different state with our type of yoga. And and it's kind of like, yes, because it works for you in this moment, you know? And I think if we all kind of stepped away and did that a little more, the judgy judge would head out the door because it's so stupid. It's dumb. It's so dumb.
0: I think you hit the nail on the head. Is actually funny. I was having a conversation with someone that I uh... She works at the studio and last night, and she was talking about how another person in the fitness industry in Dallas started, you know, ripping someone else. And it's just that like, you go into a yoga studio, and your intention is to practice and flow and get out whatever the day had. And you always say, You're like, leave it at the door, whatever happened before this. And that's stuff I even say now, like all the things that you and Heidi always used to preach in class, I take into it now because it's like flush it all out, let it all go. You're in this space for an hour. You're not looking at yourself. You're not really looking at your neighbor. It's just you, your breath and your mat. And I think you guys are a niche and that's what's made you so successful. And I think if you want to start a business and you know, that's always been something that's been on my heart, my mind. And it truly, I always say, I want to open a yoga studio just like Harbor. And my mom will agree with that just because it's like, it's something different, but you appeal to an audience that I think appreciates it more and it's the energy you want. And I think in your studio, there's, you know, not very many people that are judgmental or not very many people that Always going to have a few. I mean, it's like with anything in life, there's always, you know, 1% that's bad. Um, But I think that's just, you know, who bad apples. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. it's, It's who you guys are. And, you know, I think kind of adding on from that is it's just like obviously your why behind it was, you know, loud music, dark room. And how has that grown or how have you seen your clientele change? Or do you guys feel like your business is the exact same from the day it started until now? I know you guys are like, what, 10 years in now?
1: 10 years in, so that's a great question um when we first started like I said a lot of people had no idea they thought of yoga as what um something from you know way back when where it was just you wore lots of blankets when you just laid there you weren't doing actually being active within it they didn't realize where yoga has how yoga has changed and so when we first opened Um, our studio was much smaller and our whole purpose was to teach people the basics. So in the beginning, unbeknownst to everybody else, we were teaching basically the exact same class, with the basic, the same set, same set of eight vinyasas, because we felt like, okay, if you teach these basic steps, then everything can be built onto that. But when we say something, they might be like, okay, now I know what that is and where to go from there. We also, while we taught, we did the entire class with them the whole time. Again, something that doesn't normally happen. Um, Like in our level one classes, we do walk around a little more outside of COVID. But um, overall, when we first started, we did the entire class with them. Most times facing the same direction as you because people learn visually. And if you face them, they get all turned around, right leg, left leg, whatever. They're all over the place. So for us, it was kind of like, Not that we don't care about your form or what you're doing, but more importantly, we want you to do whatever you hear and what you see and where your body goes. And then from there, you'll develop it. So we say the same things over and over again. Um, The little techniques, the little ways to get you into a pose. And eventually it clicks. Right. So the idea is to come in as you are, do what your body and your mind feels is what we're asking you to do. Right. And sometimes it was way off. But we don't say, you're oh, wrong, Judy. That's wrong. You know, you don't do that. Instead, it's kind of like, and straighten that leg. You know, you give them the little thing. And then eventually, like, oh, she's talking to me. You know, or you grab them after class. It's not about embarrassing people, put them on the spot, that kind of thing. Um, Now, as time has gone on, we've got some people that have been with us for the full 10 years right and then now they've brought in their husband and their kids it's it's awesome because now you see these families and so we've grown so those who started with us when we were in our 30s now they're in their 40s but they've got their kids that are now in their teens to 20s and they're coming and they're bringing their friends so we've got this whole new younger generation coming in and you're a part of that you know you're in that 20 age group where it was like okay You know, we started with you like in high school or we have some kids that started in middle school. Um, You know, we just had one guy who this is the coolest. He just signed with the Columbus Blue Jackets and he um, he started coming to yoga in the seventh grade with his mom. So, you know, here's someone who saw the benefit of it at a young age and came along. So I think how we've had to change is that we've had to consistently challenge the people that have been around for a while and make people feel safe and welcome that are new. Right. And that goes back to our team. So it's not Heidi and I guess we're the owners, but at the same time, we have never hired anyone who wasn't a student of ours first. We always say like if we like for you, for example, and, you know, I did when you were going to get your train. I was like, you can teach for us when you're ready because you came on. You understood our philosophy. You got what we did. You appreciated what we did, respected what we did. And so all of our instructors that have come down the line. They're, they're all in, like this is their home base. This is where they wanna be. They're not teaching at 25 other places. It's one and done for them. Um, teaching as much or as little as they want. So um, we've taught our instructors, hey, this isn't just about how awesome you are at yoga. This is about how friendly are you are? How welcoming are you? How approachable are you? Um, because those are the reasons. You walk into our studio, it's like, hey girl, everybody knows everybody's name. We tell our instructors, you learn their names. We check in. I don't have a front desk girl. You check in your own class because then you see faces, get to know them. Let people be seen. Um, those things are things that have carried from the, the day we opened mm-hmm. until now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at this point we have I think we have 20, I think we have 24 instructors when we started out with three. I mean, it's been a big, so you have to continually be managing and like I said, keep it fresh and new, adding in things that people don't normally see in a yoga class. That came a little bit, we did a little here and there when we first opened, but now we have some classes that are hardcore, almost a hit class with yoga sprinkled <laughs> in, right? So yeah. it depends and, and people can pick and choose what they want. But um, I think overall, we've we've had to make sure we manage As people get older, we have added some more level one classes because we've got some people that maybe might not want to do that advanced hour and 15 of insanity in our mouths is they want to focus more on the stretching and have a longer stretch period at the end. So we change our schedule according to what we have. But overall, they just keep they just keep coming, which is great. People are always young. We always got young people coming up. Right. So it's pretty cool. But Our oldest is like our oldest guy that comes is like 72. So, you know, it's for everybody.
0: And for everyone out there that doesn't do yoga, and you've probably heard me tell you 19,000 times, try yoga. And I think, you know, kind of to take a step back, you mentioned engaging with your clients and talking to people and putting faces to a name because yoga is building a community and being friends with the people around you. Let's take a step back. What did you do before and has entrepreneurship always been something that is in your mind or was in your mind before you got into Harbor? Um, So kind of the before of launching this business with Heidi.
1: Okay. So um, prior to opening the studio, I was in television ad sales. So I did that for 13 years. Um, Right out of college, I went and worked at the ABC affiliate. Then I worked at the WB affiliate. I was a sales rep. And then I went into management. And um, I did like being a salesperson more than in management. But those skills from management did actually help because now you've got this team to manage, right? So I, I learned some things there too. But sales, and as you know, Aaron, as a sales rep, you know, you are, that is your own little business in itself, right? So, especially, yeah, yeah, for me, I was, we were 100% commission, you know, back in the day. So my first, my first year out of college, you know, I I made $25,000, you know, and I felt like, you know, I have arrived, this is the moment. And then after my six month guarantee, I was, you either sell something or you get nothing. I got, I have one time where I didn't get, I didn't get a paycheck. I just didn't get one. I didn't make, I didn't even make enough to get my draw. And that to me, and I, I mean, it was probably like a year into what I was doing. I fell a little bit short of it, but I was sick and, it lit me up though. I mean, it was like that next year I doubled it the year after that I doubled it. I was, it blew me up. So was there a little bit of that entrepreneurship of like, yes, I got to grow this and build this. Absolutely. Did I have to fall on my absolute bottom to get there? Absolutely. No one handed me anything. Um, And so it had there had to be something in me that wanted to succeed because outside of the embarrassment, I was like, oh, my God, like I have a little bit of savings, but I just graduated. I had college, you know, loans. I had all this stuff. And I thought, what am I doing? You know, I need to learn how to better manage my money, all of those things that go into it. So I do think that that helped me um, to find that, you know, I could I want to do something on my own for myself um, and the only reason I loved my job, my boss was amazing. My coworkers amazing. I still talk to him to this day, all of them. Um, but I had children, so I had my firstborn. I worked through, um, until three years later when I'm my second. And that's when I was like, you know what I am. Um, and I, I've talked about this before. I, I knew that I wasn't giving everything to anything. Um, I was giving a little to this, a little of that, and, um, something, you know, that, My parents have instilled in me from a very young age is that you can have everything, but not all at the same time at different times in your life. So I could have this amazing career that I built and that I was loving and it was the best. But then part of me felt like, but I'm not being the mom that I want to be. And I think I want to be home with my children. Um, and so I decided to leave that chapter. Now people thought I was crazy. Like, how do you walk away from the six figure job and, and have nothing? Because at the moment that I quit, I did not, the yoga studio wasn't even on my radar, which is even more hilarious. I was just like, (laughs) I'm going to stay home. Of course, my husband was like, wait, what? Um, we (laughs) talked about it and, um, I was home for, I think, so my baby, when we opened, my baby was Davis, who's now 10, um, was five months old. So when he was three months old, he's sitting in a carrier next to me with my husband, Heidi and her husband, we'd gone out to dinner and our husbands had said, you guys should open up. We, we did yoga. That's why I met Heidi in a yoga studio that was downtown. But now we both lived up in the suburbs and two or three days a week, we'd go down and do yoga at this place. And she was like, or our husbands were like, you guys should, instead of traveling down there all the time, you guys should just open your own place here. And we all like kind of laughed about it. That was early on in the night. Couple... Hours later, we're drinking, <laughs> and we're like, you know what? This we should totally do this. We should open up a yoga studio. I mean, it was that. It was that. You know how things come to be, right? Two days later, we're driving through downtown, and um, we see a sign out in front of the little place in old Dublin that said for rent. So I call just, for, you know, giggles just to see what they'd say. Um, about a week later, we signed um, a lease there, and two months after that, we opened and had our first class. It was insanity. We did the, we put in our own floors. We painted the walls. We didn't need anything. We didn't have any overhead. I think we both put in like $2,500 to get it started. And we're like, let's just see if this takes off. Now we both had been doing yoga for, it wasn't like the yoga part was always a part of our lives prior to this, the studio part that was all kind of new, but, um, you know, Heidi has a teaching background and I have a business background. So, with the two of us, and Heidi was teaching all the time at that point, yoga already. I had not been teaching yoga. I was just, you know, a student. I had gotten certified. I did my whole thing. But I I wasn't a teacher at the time. Um, and so with the two of us together, we kind of came up with this little, you know, people were like, what was your business plan? I'm like, literally, why? That's what it was. And it sounds crazy. And everything kind of fell into place. And I realized that it's just like, it doesn't, that doesn't happen. But the reality was, I had already to leaving behind a job that was very lucrative because I was going to stay home. So taking a chance and taking a risk, it didn't feel like that for me because I wasn't investing that much money um, because that's one of my big things too: never go like go balls to the wall. Like give yourself slowly enter something like this so you make sure it's what you want to do. Heidi never even quit her teaching job until we were a year into it because she just wanted to make sure that it was going to work before she threw away, you know, what she had been working her, her teaching career. So um, yeah, I mean, long way to get to that. Sorry, I babbled. But the point is, yes, um, I do believe that my career before added to, um, to being an entrepreneur for sure,
0: 100%. Yeah. And it's funny too that you said that because I think a lot of people, and this is actually something that like when it came into the podcast, like I feel like people always think that when you're starting a business or you're starting something new that there has to be this like year plan with all of these details and all of these things. And it's like, I don't know if it's a yoga nest, but I feel like things just happen for a reason. And it's like with the podcast. I mean, you know, when I first started, I started with one of my friends we were like, hey, let's just do this. And you just do it. It's just like a mindset. Right. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes in, you know, I guess, you know, tying it into the name of my podcast, like positivity and mindset. I think, you know, there's some people that are just naturally wired, which you and I are are very similar in just the way that we were raised, the way that we're wired, just naturally more high energy, working out is just innate in me. It's like not something that's like an if or a when. It's just like, I do this every day because I know it makes me feel good. Um, Right. But yeah, no, I love your story. And it's so funny too, because obviously I know Heidi and it's like taking your guys' classes, there's difference. But I also think your guys' personality balance out so well. you kind of touch on that a little bit, like going into business with someone else. I think that's another struggle too, that, you know, a lot of people can relate with, or, you know, if you're doing something on your own, obviously I do this podcast, you know, by myself, but you know, how was it going through that process and how did you guys know that it was right for each other?
1: Well, um, that is a great question because, you know, it's funny because people, when they don't know us, they always call me Heidi or call her Angie. They don't know which is which they think we're interchangeable, but we, we are very, very different, but our core values are very, very much the same, right? So, um, we're both hardworking. Um, we're both generous and, and, and truly kind people that just care about other human beings, right? Like we, when you have that kind of, um, we were friends first, right? So, and friends that found each other, not because um, our kids were friends and that we were mom friends and not because we went to college. Together. I mean, she went to Miami. I went to OU. There is no reason why this relationship should work, right? <laughs> so those two rivals, there's no reason for it, right? I'm I'm a brunette. She's a blonde. Um, what's funny though, our husbands are, are mirror images of one another. They look alike. They're like, they adore each other. It's such a great dynamic. Um, and so, you know, I think that we it, we didn't even question, should we be doing this with each other? It was never even on our radar. Um, I think a lot of times, and, and Heidi would agree, you know, she's more of the laid back, go with the flow. I am very anal, very type A, very um, quick to respond, quick to do this, quick to do that. I'm, and, and part of it has given me a lot of anxiety through my life. But, you know, I... I think that, that she can tone me down. I can hype her up. Like the two of us together, um, I think we also keep each other in check, right? So if, say, for example, you know, in the fitness industry, and I'm sure you've seen this too, and we've seen it a million times, people that open up places. What happens is as you're a fitness instructor, people kind of put you up here. They kind of look at you because they don't know you and they think, oh, she's so great. It looks, she's so positive. Her life must be so wonderful. And they kind of build you up. People get real caught up in that. Right. So then they're wheels. And then all of a sudden you see this personality shift with that person. Heidi and I would never allow each other to do that. We smack each other right back down. Right. So there's never been this thing where like, oh, I'm like, oh, yeah, don't I'm 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 the best and I'm this. And I'm like, you know, there's never been that. Um, We've always entered everything as we're a team. Um, Even when we went to do all of our financing and the guy, our lawyer was looking, he goes, well, one of you should be at 51 percent. One should be 50 or 49. That's how it should always play out from whatever. We're like, nope, not us have fifty down the line, um, so I think that just entering with someone with with honesty and openness, uh, communication has to be big. You have to communicate and and do how do you not get each other's nerves? Absolutely, I'm sure, right? Like just like a sibling, I mean, she's like a sister to me, right? So sometimes we are together, 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 and then sometimes we're just separated. Um, but our kids love each other, our families love each other, so they're family. We're family to one another, so. Are we extremely blessed by what we have? Yes. Do do I think that's hard to come by? Absolutely. Yes. Right. So, um, but I do think there needs to be differences in your personality in order for you to go together. It's just like my husband and I, I'm this all the way up here and he's more chill and, and mild mannered and easygoing. So, it's opposites attract. It's a real thing, you know, but Heidi and I are opposite. So it's kind of weird. I don't know. I can't explain it.
0: <laughs> no, I get it. Cause I, I would say I, I probably align more with you. Like I've just naturally been more aggressive. It's, I think it's just, you know, I don't like the term aggressive. I think it has, I, I call it assertive. Yeah. Like I've always, it,
1: it has a negative connotation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I just think I've always naturally just been more assertive. Like I'm someone who knows what I want and these type of things. And I think it's hard to find someone that balances you in a productive way. Like someone that right. you, you know, you're, you come together in a good way, but it's not in a, like, you know, there's an ego attached to it with kind of drawing. And I loved how you said that as we balance each other and there's not, I do agree that I think sometimes, in this is one thing that, you know, has gotten on my nerves sometimes in, with, with the fitness industry is that I think once you become an instructor, there's an ego automatically attached with that. And at the end of the day, and this is something that I was taught is that's like, you're a student first and a teacher second. And I try to tell that to any instructor newer. I'm just like, and I try to encompass that in my classes. It's like, come up and talk to me, like, you know, engage with your students, which obviously you guys did a great job of. And it's just like letting go of that ego, which ties directly into yoga. And it's so funny that there's so many people that, you know, I've met or there's, you know, again, it's part of life, but I think you know, kind of tying into the beginning of the episode where it's like people, if there's judgment, if there's, you know, condescending attitudes or whatever it is, it's like, that's not yoga. That's not
1: competition. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, like competition. I mean, Heidi and I never, ever compete with one another. As a matter of fact, we go to each other's classes because we enjoy what each brings to the table and we can play off of what each other's doing and make it our own. Like we, I think it's great. I mean, I've learned, she taught way before me. I learned from her too. Do you know what I mean? So there's, there's definitely, um, the ego part being competitive. I mean, there's a healthy competition. Yes. But shouldn't be with your business partner, you know, and, and I, you do see that happen a lot with people and a lot of businesses that don't survive. And, um, you know, it's, it's a sad thing, but it's a, it's a reality. Um, but of course, again, like we have way more in like invested into this relationship than this yoga studio. Like when the yoga studio closes, we're still friends, right? And we still, our families are still close and and they will be for the rest of our lives. So our, our friendship is first, the yoga studio is second.
0: Yeah. Which yeah. I think is good. And again, it it's just a healthy relationship to have. You know what I mean? I think, you know, some people go into things on their own. Obviously, you know, I'm on my own with this podcast, but it's just like, I think that can be a hard, you know, way to navigate things, especially if you're not al- aligning, which I think you guys do a great job of. And I actually never would have known that Heidi was more of the laid back one, which is actually, yeah. I oh, would not- really?
1: Well, I would say she's laid back like, um, Gosh, it's, I guess that's not the right terminology because when her class is so high energy, right? Oh, that's what you her mean. class like, is well. next
0: level.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's next level. It's next level. So that's what I'm saying. But when it comes to the business stuff and all of that, she's more like, it'll work out. We'll get that. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, let's do it now. Let's do it now. You know, so, you know, it's, it's I guess it's for different times in your life, right? Different parts of your, I mean, my classes aren't as intense as hers in that way, you know, so- we kind of give and take from each other, like you said.
0: Yeah. But I think you guys have such a good balance. I mean, like the classes, it's like, they're the same intensity, but they feel different in your body. Like it's just, which I think brings a whole, and this is something I've learned is that there's a lot of people that might align with your classes and might not align with hers or vice versa. And I think it attracts a crowd that. You know, they can resonate with everyone, or, you know, like the Kelly Harrington styles, which are Harrington, which I always loved her classes. Right. For those of you who don't know, it's another instructor out there. If you're in Columbus, uh, try hers. Um, but yeah, I, I think that was one thing about your guys' studio is that, and there was a continu- everyone had the same energy in the same focus, which I think is really hard to find and kind of keeping that from the top down. And obviously you're not, you know, you're, you're not running a huge corporation, but I think it's hard to find new studios or just studios in general that it's like, if I take the owner's class and I take someone else's class, they're very similar, which I think you guys did an outstanding job of keeping it the same. It's-
1: well, that's why I said, because we only hire people that were students with us first, right? So it's grown because we all buy in. Everybody's bought in to this way of doing it. It's for, for many of them, we're their only experience with yoga until they go to like their training. And at their training, it's more like anatomy and, you know, the history and all that stuff. But teaching how to flow a class, they learn that from us, right? So that's why it, it trickles on down to everybody. It's funny you say like, it's not like we're this corporation or anything, but but we are in in our own right. Right. So people think, Oh, it's this, that's cute. You have this little yoga studio. I mean, we are always laughing. We're like, if you only knew, like we're an actual business, we have 15,000 people that come to our studio or have come to our studio in the last 10 years. Like that's not small potatoes. Right. So I think um, that's something that you should always like, don't get caught up in coming out of the gate being huge. I mean, my first class I went to teach one person showed up, my best friend from college. I sat on the floor and I cried. So, you know, but to grow to what it is. You you can't be so um, like quick to just give up if it doesn't come out of the gate being the best thing that's that you ever imagined in your wildest dreams because it's not going to be at all.
0: And that is actually you read my mind. That's where I was going with this because I think in one thing that's always fascinated me just about entrepreneurship is I think there's one thing in its mindset, and it, they preach it in my day job. I've heard it all the time, and I think it's resilience. And touch on that when you're launching a business, and you know we can later we can wrap up with like t- pieces of advice. But I think when you're launching a business, I think so many people think it's going to be easy, and the reward's going to come overnight. I'm going to make five hundred grand tomorrow and you always hear, and I'm just like, talk to that. How long did it take you guys to see success? What was your mindset around that? How did you overcome all the obstacles that I know come with launching a business and kind of people to take away? Like if you're thinking about launching something, you know, what would you tell them, especially around mindset and how to approach things in the positive light?
1: So when we first opened, um, we thought, okay, we have we have friends that we can get to come. So our first weekend we opened, it was full, right? We could fit 30 people in there and the classes were full and everything's great. And oh my gosh, we're going to make it, blah, blah, blah. So the first weekend, that's what I said, the first Monday that we opened, I had one person show up, right? So I just remember sitting there thinking, oh God, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. I certainly didn't think, I just certainly didn't feel like, oh my gosh, we're never going to make it. I shouldn't have done this. I've invested all this money. I've spent all this time. I didn't think that at all because again, we started small and we set the expectation low and we did all of the the painting and everything ourselves. So, you know, when we looked at the money that we put into it, I'm like, well, $2,500 a piece to get going, we can make some mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. We weren't looking Mm -hmm. to blow it out of the water. We were just looking, if we could get five, I think, I can't remember what the numbers were now, but whatever it was, I remember being like, okay, if we can get 10 people a day or something like that. It was something ridiculous. Like if we had 75 clients <laughs> for the week, we could break even. Okay. So that's kind of what we thought and set a goal. Like, okay, how can we do this? So, um, after just getting people coming, we we were like, okay, let's do one of those. It was living social. Let's do one of those. So we offered this insane deal. It was like 20 classes for $20 or $25, something like that. Okay. <laughs> Well, when I say they sold out, I mean, they were flat. We started freaking out. We're like, we need to pull it. We need to pull it. We can't fit all these people in here because that day it was going on for 24 hours and we could see the number ticking. It was like 700, 800, 900, a thousand of them were selling. We're like, this is insane. Like this is <laughs> freaking out. So what happened was we ended up doing that. Well, all these people started coming because they were using their little deal. Some people were like, this is not what I wanted. This is what wasn't what I thought, but A lot of people stayed. And then from there, they started telling other people and it started growing. I want to say within the first six months, we were far past our 75 person per week. Right. So we were getting people coming in. We never, ever have done anything where we paid for advertising to put something out there because we felt like we want this to grow naturally. And we also don't we weren't ever thinking it would be what it is now. I mean, Having 55 people in a class like for four hours in a row, like back to back classes, that's insanity um, to us because it wasn't even our radar. We're like, it would be great if we had 10 people in each class and we were killing it. I mean, I remember one time I called Heidi. We had double digits in a class. I am like, double digits. We were screaming in the phone, double digits, which is so crazy. But to us, that was success. Right. And so that success has constantly changed. Um even like during this pandemic, right, when everything like the sky is falling and everything's falling apart. And, you know, we saw a lot of money grabbing going on by, you know, fitness places and rightfully so. I mean, they were nervous. They're all closing. Some had just opened. Um, some had opened a second location. You saw it everywhere. Right. All these businesses, especially fitness places. And Heidi and I sat back and we're like, hold up. We don't need again. We have we're, we're already established. Uh, We have people that are loyal to us. We're going to go on Facebook Live two times a day, every day, till till we can reopen. And we're going to do free classes streaming. We're just going to do it every day. We're not going to charge people. We're not going to say you can donate if you want. We were in a place where we could do it. To us, that felt like success, right? Because we can give back to the community that has given so much to us. Um, Because at the end of the day, your business should be something that gives you joy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yes, there are things here and there with small businesses that are so annoying. And we and Heidi and I have each other, each other to bounce it off. And we're always like, we're going to write a book someday. And chapter one is going to be like, how not be a dick, you know, or whatever it is, because people are so... Are we allowed to cuss on your podcast? Yeah,
0: you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but you know what I mean? We laugh about how some people have been... I mean, people that have been incredible have... Have beat out the people that are not a million times over, right? And so, how it's given us so much more than we ever th- That wasn't even on my radar. Like, to me, that's success. Like, I found something that gives people joy, but gives it back to me tenfold. Um, we've been able to give to so many organizations and nonprofits and all of those things where we're like, everything that we bring in, we give it all to you, not a portion of the proceeds, whatever, because to us, that is success to be able to give it back. Now, granted, am I coming from a place where, um, it's I have a husband who is making the money that provides for our family. And so I don't have to have the pressure to do this. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm acknowledging that 100%, but that to me, I feel like I am offering so much more to my children to see that you give back to the, to people, you, you, you pitch in when you can, you donate your time um, because it's not just about money. And I've talked about um, volunteering and stuff. That's a huge part of my life. But I think that, um, you know, the, all of those are measures of success to me. And notice not one of the ones I talked about was the money that we made. This, that to me is not the biggest measure of success. It's just not. So now that we're back out of the pandemic, we're starting to get things rolling a little more on that. On that, But, you know, what? people have come to us that were like, I did classes with you and I, I was never able to do one in a, um, in person. I've never done yoga, but I came because you guys did such great classes. I wanted to support you. You know, pretty cool.
0: And you hit the nail on the head with, I think that a lot of people make the mistake of their intention behind starting a business is there's one word and it's money. They, they want to make money. And I think if your intention going into things, and I've heard this from so many successful entrepreneurs is that it's like, you need to do something that you're passionate about. And I think there's also this misconception of like your passion can't provide. And I think it provides to you in a different way, which this podcast is for me. And I think it's serving others. It's sharing stories like yours of successful people in all avenues of life. And it's like, you can, there's everyone is going to take something away from this, whether it's positive or not. It's just like, you okay. know, your mindset and the things you do through other people give back. And that was something my dad, I always idolized him. He was in sales, but he always gave so much to the people around him. And he mm-hmm. just gave back. Cause at the end of the day, it's like, you know, money comes and goes, but it's the relationships right. that you build and the people that you meet and the impact that you have in a community that that's what you, that's, who you are as a person. That's your character. And that, again, it's way bigger than any yoga studio or the number of people in a class. And I mean, I could- Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And you know, Erin, you're at that age. I mean, how old are you? What are you,
0: 25? Yeah, I'll be 25 in July. 21.
1: 25. Okay. So you're at that age and I remember it. I mean, I'm not that much older than you. (laughs) I could be your mom. But I remember at that age, there's this whole shift- And it's like you're gonna start going to weddings. And as you go to these weddings, people are gonna be talking so much about success, success. I did this, I did this, I did this. People that never were like that before, right? I remember being at weddings and being like, oh my God, like I don't care how successful you are in your bit. Like it just became and it was all based on money. And it was like climbing the corporate ladder and and doing those things at 25. I'm like, at 25, you're still. You should not be expected to be in a management role. You should be at entry level. You should be learning the ropes so that you can be better when you are older and in those roles. And, you know, it's a huge part of where you are in your life right now. And there's a, there's a total phenomenon on it. I read a book on it when I was 25 or 26. It's called Quarter Life Crisis. There's a whole thing on it. Have you ever heard of this? It's a real thing. If you're, you've got to read this book. It's fascinating. Oh, I will. it It talks about, um, At this age, you're at your quarter life and where there's this shift and whatever that shift is and how you feel a little lost because college is over and all the fun times of just, but you're still craving that, but you're still trying to be an adult, but like people are getting married around you, but then some people are, you know, still traveling and finding their way. You're at this, it's called a quarter life crisis, just like a midlife crisis. It's a legitimate thing. I remember reading about it. It's interesting. You should check it out just because you're in it right now. It talks a lot about what we're talking about now about truly starting to, this is where you make some major changes or make some decisions about how you want the rest of your life to start playing out.
0: Um, it's fascinating.
1: So I recommend that.
0: And uh, I'm a big book girl, big think like a monk is also big, one of my huge. <laughs> big, big, huge. <laughs> well, I just think it teaches you something. And I could not agree more it, that you, there's going to be people that, you know, all that they, you know, they talk about money and success align along those lines, like it's a direct correlation. And it's actually funny too, because recently I had some epiphany that I wanted to go on like a mission trip to Africa after reading Dana Perino's book, which you should read that if you haven't. Um, And she's so good. And she was just talking about that. And she was talking about all the success that I had in my career was nothing compared to going there and seeing these and helping people like that. And I just came up with this idea, but I think it's so true. And, you know, not to like dive into your you know, personal life. But I just think it's like so many people get caught up, you know, maybe they're in the wrong relationship or whatever it is. It's just like, you know, Maybe a couple pieces of advice for people that are in their, you know, maybe they're like me in their 25 or maybe they're in their early 30s listening um, and just, you know, navigating your career along the lines of relationships. When I think society sometimes puts this, and I feel this, especially down in Dallas, like you have to be dating or doing this all at this time. And it's just like, but that's not my timeline. Like that's not the timeline God has for me. Um, So kind of speak to that and maybe some tips of advice that you would give people as they're navigating. Oh, gosh.
1: Oh yeah, well. So, Erin, I could give you a uh, a full podcast on my twenty dating life. Uh, it's fascinating. <laughs> we'll talk about that offline. Um, but it's interesting that you would bring that up because it was it was a huge part of why I am who I am, and because of of people or uh, a person that I dated and and how it changed my life and changed my direction of my life and how it um, helped me to refocus on what was important and truly opened me up to find someone who um, truly loved me um, in a way that I just didn't know was an option. Right. And so um, someone who supported me, like, like I said, the only reason that this even came to be Heidi and I would never have sat and talked about it. It was our spouses. It was, it was Mike. I think that actually said, it. you guys should just open up a studio, Um, having that support and someone who, um, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with, you know, there's all this talk nowadays about, you know, feminism and and being like, you know, you don't need no man and all of these things and and all of that. But and, and I get that um, to a point, but you do need to have some someone in your life that is a support system. And there's nothing to me um, more gratifying than coming home. And having my family and having my husband and of all the things I do and the places I've been and everything I've seen and all of these things, the best thing for me is just being home with my family. And um, I think that um, and having this job that I love, I don't know which one fed into the other one. Right. I have this job that I love because my husband supported me and because I have this job that I love, I come home and I'm not stressed out and. and Anxious and yelling and everything all the time. So, which one, made which one, better? I don't know. Uh, and I do think it's a huge part of who we are. Um, and you know, maybe you're someone who doesn't ever plan on getting married. That's fine. But find your people um, and have a support system because truly, all the success in the world and, and climbing that corporate ladder. I have lots of friends that are in their 40s now that put all of that off in terms of finding a mate and and doing that because they were on this this road. And now they say, what's so hard is they have all of this stuff and then no one to share it with. And I think, um, and that's something that you won't realize until it's too late. Um, in terms of, well, it's never too late. You can always get married, but I'm just saying, you know, you, you get used to being alone you get used to, um, you know, and, and a lot of people I think noticed it in these last couple of months when we were at home, you know, I, I know a lot of people that are single that were home. that were like, that was so, it was so lonely. So lonely because they didn't even have a dog. Right. So it's kind of like you come home because their life was going to work, going to work meetings, going to drinks, going to dinners, doing all those things. And that was cut off short. And then you you were forced to look around and be like, what is my purpose? And, and, and what do I want? My what's my legacy here? What am I leaving behind? Um, and it doesn't have to be kids or a spouse, but it does need to be relationships of some sort. I, I truly believe that.
0: You you told me what I needed to hear. I think that's kind of something I've been na- navigating personally is I've always been very career-driven um, and I just knew that before I started dating or like, you know, whatever it was. I mean, I've obviously been in relationships before and, you know, I do think that every relationship teaches you something about yourself that prepares you for that right person. Um, but I think it's just, and I think for me personally, I'm just going to speak for myself as it's navigating both. I think it's combining like being so passionate and so career driven and finding someone that balances that. And your husband seems like someone that I would, you know, and any person I talk to that's similar to me, it's always like, you know, I need someone that balances me out and kind of is that calm just because I'm so high energy and always so up here. Uh, right. But I agree. Yeah. And it's hard. I think the pandemic opened my eyes in that aspect that I never thought before. I always said I'm going to put everything on hold. And now I think I've gotten to this place where I'm like, I know I want to share everything everything that I earn with someone else. And I've always wanted to have, you know, a few kids. I would say I want four kids. Um, so I know that's something that I want, but I think, you know, you made a good point and not putting that on hold. Cause I think sometimes we get caught up in what we have and allows that to define us instead of letting right. who we are and our character define who we are. Um, right.
1: Yeah. And then there's that fine line, right, between like ditching your friends and everything and just being obsessed with this person and being with that person all the time. And, you know, because you see that, too. Right. We all see that. Um, But I think the takeaway is that, you know, like you said, you want to be able to share the successes with someone. And, um, and that's really important because they wouldn't seem as excited you know And we like again I mean even if even if I wasn't married to Mike right like getting the 10 people with double digits at the class I had someone to share that with it was high I, I called her like we were yelling double digits double digits like you need to have something that should never be put on hold your personal life is what you leave behind you know you hear these quotes and these things all the time no one lays on their deathbed saying I wish I would have gone to one more meeting you know or whatever it is that that people say um, it's, it's important. And it's hard to remember that when you're caught, when you're, especially in the stage you're in right now, cause you're surrounded by it, right? Succeed, succeed, climb the ladder, climb the ladder, make money, make money. Um, but there's another side to it too. And I'm glad that you're like, you know, seeing it, talking about it. That's the way to do it. Read that book. I told you you'll be glad.
0: Yeah. And I just think too, just like follow your, Follow your gut, follow what you want. I think we live in a world where there's so much data. There's everyone tells you what to do, when to do it and how to do it. And I mean, again, I'm not going to speak for you, but for me, it's like, I'm stubborn and I don't like when people tell, you know, it's like, I don't want people to tell me what to do. I'm just going to do what's best for me. And I think, you know, after everything that we've talked about on this podcast from entrepreneurship, relationship and everything in between, it all comes back to, you know, doing what's best for you. And being a kind, genuine human being. And if there's one thing I've learned in this life and, you know, 25 years, it's just like being a kind human being takes you anywhere and everywhere you want to go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, what is my dad always said, good things happen to good people. And that doesn't mean bad things happen to bad people or bad things don't happen to good people, but it's kind of like, keep doing good, keep doing good. Because it's not because you are a good person. It's because when you do good, you become a better person, right? So that's kind of a big thing that we've always said in our family, our family at least.
0: Yeah, it's so important. I mean, and it, I think a lot of it kind of has to do with how you're raised. But I think just at the end of the day, it's like, and a lot of people listen to podcasts for advice and for feedback. And, you know, what what is this person going through? Or, you know, they want to learn personal things. And I think there's definitely a lot of takeaways um, just from this episode and kind of how, as we're wrapping it up, if there's two pieces of advice, whether it's career, personal, relationship, what are two pieces of advice that you think are the most important um, for the audience today?
1: Oh gosh! Um, so I love quotes, and I actually talked about this one on um, when with someone else before, and I and I have to use it because it is who I am at the root of who I am. Um, but it's people will, for, will forget what you how you made them, Right? I forget what this thing goes. People will will forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And that's a a version of a quote, but it's very true. Be kind. Um, The words that you say are one thing, but like just because you say something to one person, how they take it is how they take it. So you have to kind of remove yourself sometimes and try to see things from a different perspective. So that um, you're not just closed off. You know, there's a lot of talk these days on biases of everything from news to whatever it might be. And, um, you know, that it's that golden rule that comes on all the time. Do unto others as you'll have done to you. It's all of those things. It's always the same thing being repeated in a different way. And um, I think that's an important, you know, rule to live by in general. And um, always about, you know, in terms of second lesson, I would say, Goodness gracious. Volunteer. (laughs) I know I talk about volunteering all the time, so it's almost annoying, but I'm telling you, put yourself out there and volunteer for something. If you want to get perspective on anything, volunteer your time. Um, Giving money is great and wonderful and all of those things, but go sit um, in a classroom. Go um, down to the homeless shelter. Go um, on Thanksgiving with your family, you know, give out Thanksgiving dinner to a shelter. Um, Go to a I don't know, like a, I can't even think of like, like a rescue, a, a pet rescue place, do something um, because that will be what determines who you are, right? And it actually does help you become a better, kinder human being.
0: I agree. That's I actually one that. thing I need to work on. I wrote that down as like another for serving, which is something I'm like working on. Um, all right. Two pieces of advice and the last and final thing before we end. And we'll all have you back on for relationships. Everyone's always curious about relationships, navigating that stuff. So we'll definitely have you back on. The last thing, and this is what I ask every single person that comes on, is what are you grateful for today? Oh, what am I
1: grateful for today? Same thing I'm grateful for every day. My family.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. That's it. Yeah. I know this morning. I'm sure a lot of people say it but
1: every day I'm grateful for it every day. My parents, my my brother, like I mean my children obviously and my husband. I mean the most important
0: my husband. I mean
1: without him, you know, the rest of the stuff just doesn't flow. So my family
0: yeah, that's mine yeah. as well. I say I write it down every morning and I feel like it's the same thing. I'm like, my family and my friends and my health are always like the top three. And it's just, you know, goes back to relationships. So yep, thank you, sure. Angie, for hopping. Thank you on. so much,
1: Erin. It was so good to see your cute face.
0: <laughs> and we will talk soon. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.